everybody, welcome to a special Halloween bonus episode of Musical Osmosis, where... Intelligent Dissonant Thoughts meets Melodic Euphonious Reality! I am your musically magnanimous host, actually more musically magnanimous today than usual, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, and that haunting voice you hear in the background is our producer. She is out of her hermetically sealed bubble and sitting right next to me because we are on the road and out of the studio today. Oh, 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 oh. That is D the producer. D does things. 3D D. A woman me. of a thousand names. Yes. So we had to drive out here today because it's my daughter's birthday and she had to spend a little bit of time in the hospital. So we drove out to see her and it's a six hour shot to North Carolina from where we are in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We made one stop at a gas station. And it was like I was in an episode of The Fucking Walking Dead. I'm trying. No one's wearing a mask. Nobody. And they're just petulant about it. You can. Oh, I hope someone says something. I'm not wearing a mask. Oh my God, and I, I am literally. I have to go to the bathroom. And I'm literally trying to chart a course around these non-masked people, like they're zombies, staying six feet away from mm-hmm. some zigzagging, like through the ho-ho aisle. To get to the bathroom and then out as quick as possible. Yeah. What do you think I've been doing for like the last six months? Every time I go into a grocery store, a gas station, and where my work, you know, takes me out of the house to go visit clients. So I have to stop to pee. And it, it's terrifying. I'm like, okay, can I wait five more minutes and make it to the office? Or do I have to risk it? It's weird how some places are so different than others as far mm-hmm. as who's adhering. And, I mean, it's even neighborhood to neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You can go to one county and no one's wearing masks. Then you can go to the next county and everyone's taking it seriously. Yeah. It's so strange, the providence of this pandemic where it's just divided up by, well, we're this type of area, so we're not, we don't believe it's real. My daughter's grandfather currently has COVID, and his friends are telling him he doesn't have COVID. There's no such thing. Yeah, it's... How, like he, And he's a hardcore Trump guy. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, I definitely have COVID. No, you have pneumonia. The doctors are lying to you. Right. No, no, I've had pneumonia. I'm telling you I have COVID, and they don't believe him. Yeah, I think for those types, it's just- just going to be one of those things of you have to learn by experience, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, by the time everyone experiences, it's going to be game over. Yeah. So we better start taking it seriously. But that's not what today is about. That is not what today is about. Thank you for reeling me in. Or I'd be going <laughs> off on some political rant for the next hour. Let's get today's guest in here. Dee will be chuckling in the back. I'm not used to having you sitting here. I'm so off kilter today. <laughs> All right, so let's get started. Today's guest is a lyrical and vocal powerhouse who spent over a decade entertaining fans with her hypnotic performances. From the band The Hell Freaks, a band that has changed genres and has had its ups and downs, but has always stayed true throughout it all, the mesmerizing madam of macabre metal and punk, Shaky Sue is here. Shaky Sue is here. Hello, Shaky Sue. Hi, guys. Hey, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Um, I was a little bit fuzzy. Are you in Hungary and Budapest right now, or are you still in Germany? Oh, no. I lived a couple of years in Germany, but I moved back to my hometown, Budapest, which is the capital of Hungary, like four years ago. So I'm very much in Hungary. <laughs> right on. So um, I want to thank you for calling in all the way from Hungary. And, you know, we always start these shows off with a little COVID conversation. And much like America, Hungary is in the grips of the pandemic like anywhere else. So I always like to kind of get the temperature out there and see how people are doing, how COVID is affecting your particular area and your particular music scene. And most importantly, how are you dealing with COVID just as a human being? All right. So first of all, thank you so much for having me today. 
I'm super happy to be with you here. Absolutely. And, and well, let's see. So first of all, we are having here kind of the second wave of COVID and the second wave hits us way harder than the first one. So um, actually, the numbers are more worse than ever. They are really bad. But And I live in the capital city and it's it's the city which is the most affected because because so many people live here. Um, Hungary is like a very special country because basically we have one big city. And of course, there are also some other cities in the country, but they are way, way, way smaller. So it's just totally logical that it's here, here, that, that, that this city is hit the hardest by COVID. Um, I mean, we have to wear masks and people are taking it seriously. But also on the other side, um, life has to go on. You know, when the first wave was, they closed a lot of shops. They closed a lot of um, actually places where people can spend their money. Right. And, and economically, it's hit the country so hard that now even we have a higher rate of of um, positive people and of people who unfortunately die. We don't have that restriction that we had in, in, at springtime because, because life has to go on. There was no kind of financial support for anyone who lost their job. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very sad time over here because truly, like, a lot of people lost their jobs. There were no opportunities. politicians just took the situation to make more and more money for themselves. So it's that part is really frustrating. Here in America, the corporations are kind of taking advantage of it and consolidating power as these small mom and pop stores go out of business because they can't sustain like the big corporations can. So the corporations are actually doing better than pre pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, but it's, you know, also those kind of little things. So for example, here they only do a test if you have like it's not enough if you have symptoms you have to have like symptoms really bad so if you call them and you say look i think i i have i don't know i have fever and i'm coughing and stuff like that they will say stay home and see what happens but only if you call them and say look i'm really not getting any more air i will die only in that place they come out to your house and do the test for free. Otherwise, you have to pay for it. And now they pushed a bit the price of it. But when the whole thing started, one test costed around 100 euros. That means like around $120, and which is a lot of money for Hungarians. So it was, it was it, it's a crazy situation that that makes richer people more rich and poor people more poor. Yep, same uh, here. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. And of course the music scene is I think that's pretty much the same everywhere. It's suffering. I mean, we can't we can I mean, they are able right now to do the small shows, but you know, all the festivals were canceled. Let me ask you this real quick, just to give us some context. What was the music scene like in Budapest pre-COVID? Did it have a really big um, music scene, especially for things like punk and metal in the underground? Okay, so um, we have, I mean, compared how big the country is, we have a lot of great bands. I think Hungarians are quite artistic and they are quite talented. Um, But to be honest, 
Uh, we don't have that many clubs to play. So, of course, here in the capital city, there are clubs, bigger clubs and smaller clubs. But uh, just a couple of years ago, they started to, to close down the smaller clubs. And because of that, it's really hard for smaller bands to, to take one step after the other. But still, there are, there are like there are a few clubs which are playing especially more like rock bands more metal bands than there are clubs which are like mixing it but we never had the kind of scene clubs like for example they have in in western europe because there are clubs they are like specified for metal or specified for a punk and stuff like that we never had that but it's just because the country is not that big um but even though we have like a lot of a lot of real cool bands um if it's about the rock scene i would say that the metal scene is the biggest and and yeah, I mean, we also have a punk scene, but it's not that big. We also have a hardcore scene, which was big, but it's not big anymore. But I think that's pretty much the tendency everywhere, at least here in Europe. And so how has COVID changed that? Have a lot of bands that you personally know kind of had to disband because they can't do anything? Or are people finding workarounds? Are people finding ways to still make this work in the music world over there? Um, well, most of the musicians... They had to start to to take and learn <laughs> for other jobs. Um, the problem is that because they allowed to do the smaller shows, all the real big bands took the possibility to go to the smaller clubs. And of course, mm -hmm. I mean, I even understand their decision because they said that they will take the bigger bands because for sure they will pack the house and they will not take the smaller bands because it's always a risk if it's going to be sold out or not. So I think for smaller bands or for mid-sized bands, this year is really like uh, head off, you know? It, it, there, is, there is absolutely no way for having, I mean, it's sorry, it's somehow about the money also, but there is no way for any income, especially that in Hungary, like the kind of support of buying merch, buying their music is not really existing. It's much more about going to their shows. And, and now as this is missing, also, the support is missing, and and a lot of bands are suffering really, really hard. That the is so sad. Revived this somehow, and the very big bands even got some support from the state. But this is just for the I don't know top twenty bands here in Hungary. But but everyone who is working in the background, everyone who is like responsible for going for the clubs and responsible for for I mean the crew, the management stuff like that, they are all like. They will all disappear. So let's talk about Hell Freaks, because you guys just released your new album, Got on the Run, this year. How is that album doing when you can't even tour on it? I, I imagine this has to be quite a gut punch for you guys to have oh, this yeah. incredible workout and you can't even go tour on it. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have a very, like, a special situation, which has its positive size and its negative size, because... We are one of the very, very few bands here in Hungary who are mainly touring abroad and not in Hungary. Um, this is, on, on one side, it's cool because our fans are really amazing. They really try their best to support us, even in those hard times. And I know if... Um, if we wouldn't have this support from all, from all around the world, we wouldn't survive this. Um, but on the other hand, for us, it means that we had to cancel. Like we had, we had the released the album in the beginning of February. We had exactly four shows in March, 
And since that, we had to cancel all of our shows. Oh, man. That's what I'm saying. That's got to be horrible for you guys to be so excited to have this new album out. An album that's finally kind of solidifying your vision for the band. And now you can't tour on it and everything's come grinding to a halt. Yeah, I mean, you know, we worked two years on that album. <laughs> we, It's not just the time. We put everything we have into that album. So, of course, the plan wasn't to, to do a release tour with four shows <laughs> at all. Um, uh, but the other tragic thing is that as we are mainly touring abroad, for us, it means that normally we book our shows like way before bands are usually booking their shows here in Hungary. So that means that we normally we see have like one year before we already see where we're going to play or where we're not going to play. And uh, as everything is so unsecure because of COVID, we see that even in 2021, there won't be tours, there won't be big shows. Maybe we will have some shows the second part of the year. But Basically, this whole thing is affecting two years of touring for us, which is really, really hard. I mean, it's so hard to keep our head up this way. It's, uh, well, let's say it's a way bigger challenge than I thought that we ever have to (laughs) deal with. Um, For sure. And let me just interject here for people listening. I know a lot of musicians, various degrees of success, And I've seen their careers, things they've worked for their whole life fall apart. And I don't think people understand the investment, the sacrifice, and the heartbreak when you dedicate your life to entertaining others and to music. And um, I just want to get the word out there to people listening. Like, this is impacting the music community just like it's impacting everybody. So it's not like musicians, oh, I've got a year off to do nothing. No, now they're scrambling. They're they're online digitally singing for their supper. They're trying to figure out ways to make this work. And, I mean, I think people have this personification of the rock star in their head, that life is just a rose garden. But it's not that way, especially when something comes along like COVID and just turns their world upside down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, like, maybe maybe – 20, 30 years ago, there was the real kind of rock star image. But I always saying like, I'm working my ass off. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, of course, there's this is, I mean, the fun part is about writing music and recording music. That's the great part of being a band. But even if COVID wouldn't be here, 80% of my time when I'm working on the band it's about promoting my stuff. It's about the management. It's about the booking. It's about the, let's say, the the, the behind-the-scene work for the band. And now with COVID, this is uh, even more and more complicated because with the years, you build up a kind of system how you can keep up the band. And then when they take out the, the most important thing, playing shows, and also the most important thing financial-wise of playing shows, it's very hard to figure it out how you can go on with that. Yeah, I feel for you guys for yeah. sure. So what are you personally doing during this era to keep the band alive and also to be able to sustain yourself during all this? Uh, I, I People are so surprised when I'm saying this, but basically I also have a totally normal job. I have, to, And if I wouldn't have that job, I would starve <laughs> <laughs> you're an environmental engineer right or is that just what you went to school for um yeah i know i i just studied it and after that i went into a totally difficult uh, different direction uh but just because 
if I would decide to be an environmental engineer, I know that I wouldn't be able to do the band. So I had to find a solution, but how I can deal with both because I didn't want to give up the band and the music because that's and like, that's the sacrifice I was talking about exactly. that people on the outside don't really see all the time. Exactly. So I mean, it's crazy, you know. I often like it's 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 a hard period. So I often lay in my bed in the middle of the night and think like, did I really did the right decision that I didn't went into the direction of environment engineering? It's hard, you know. You never know if you really did the good decision or not. Uh, but right now, I'm, I'm doing something totally different. Um, I'm working um, and uh, at a big fitness car supplement company, and uh, I'm working there at their e-commerce team. So I'm working in digital marketing, which is something totally different than I was planned to do. <laughs> But How does those two worlds work together? When you started, there were people like, it's Shaky Sue from the Hell Freaks. Do people know who you are from your creative endeavors there? Um, I mean, it's funny because, of course, so the company is pretty big. So sometimes there are like also metalheads and they know who I am. But, you know, Hungary is a small country. So even if they know that you're doing a band, there is no, I don't know, hype around it or stuff like that. But um. But yeah, it's it's funny to deal with that because there is like really a, a normal corporate work Sue and then there is the punk rock metal Sue. <laughs> I bet, man. I can't even imagine juggling. But I mean, I have a daytime job too, but I don't think I'm as much in the public eye as you are. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 strange, but I think but I think if I wouldn't have if I wouldn't have the the health freak Sue, I think I couldn't work it out that much, you know? It's it both of them are parts of me, and I mean, it's funny that they are so opposite, but I think that's just how I am. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of us are, and, uh, you know, it takes a lot of guts, I think, to chase your dream. I know I've made personal sacrifices to do what I do, and I and I often wonder, hey, did I make the right choice? Could I be making more money for my family if I went this route and took my career to the next level? So once. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because you know you grow up with the mindset that you should chase your dreams. Your dreams are important, and and your dreams are important. It's out of question. But uh, but especially when you know that two years are gone because of COVID, and you have to deal with things that you never count with that you have to deal with it, and then you just you just ask yourself like, was it the right direction where I went? My life could be so much easier if I wouldn't deal with that. But on the other side, I'm quite sure if I would give up my band, I wouldn't feel complete anymore. And I would feel like I, I did that wrong. So I think we are questioning ourselves anyway all the time. And I, I feel better with it to question myself while I'm chasing my dreams. <laughs> That's so true. And um, one more thing I want to say, and then we'll move on to kind of the history of the Hell Freaks, is COVID wasn't anything that any band could prepare for. You could say, oh, I'm going to put this these funds away in case the van breaks down or in case the album doesn't hit like we think it's going to, but nobody could freaking prepare for a global pandemic. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the people have to look at it in that mind frame, too. Like, this isn't anything that anybody saw coming at least at the level that we're at. I remember when COVID hit in late February, early March, people thought it would be done by summer. And now it's looking like two years, like you said. I, I, I thought the same. I thought that, okay, summer festivals won't work out, but we can go on tour on fall. 
and now it's it's almost winter and I still don't see the end. And yeah. But honestly, That's even that. if we would know that we have to prepare ourselves for for a situation like this, it's just not possible to prepare yourself for something like that. It's impossible. As long as at least as long as you're not a huge band. Yeah. All right. Let's, hey, I want to talk about the history of the band because the Hell Freak started out, I believe, in 2009. And the first two albums you guys put out were more kind of like psycho belly, horror punk type stuff. And then you took a little bit of a, it wasn't clear if it was an actual breakup of the band or if you guys were just on hiatus. And then you refor- reformed transition of like a hardcore punk metal vibe. Can you tell us a little bit about that transition, why it occurred, and how's your fan base reacting to the change in sound? Sure. So the thing was that, as you said, we started as a psychobilly band. We did that like four or five years long. And actually, I really enjoyed that time. But even after we recorded the second album, which was Circus of Shame, and which was in 2012, I already felt like, okay, it was fun. It was cool. But now I'm bored because now I feel like I start to repeat myself. I'm not able to do anything new in the genre. And um, I mean, there are quite really a million reasons why I felt like that. Also, personal one, I also had, you know, when I fell in love with Psychobilly, I loved that it was such a, hmm, how can you, how can I describe this? It was a genre which mixed rockabilly with new wave stuff i mean also with with punk rock and maybe also a little bit with metal but what i really liked that it was it was a genre that was like developing itself on and on but after some time i just realized that it's definitely not like that because they were absolutely not or at least here in europe they were against they started to be against bands who really try out something new so i've read I don't know, years long, all those stupid conversations that um, which band is real psychobilly and which band is real rockabilly. Mm, I see. I was like, I mean, I was 21, 22 years at that time, and I already felt like I'm too old for that. So, and also, I really like to improve myself, you know, and I couldn't improve myself in that genre anymore was so limited for me for myself it was so limited the lyrics were limited the music was limited everything was limited I just didn't enjoy it because every time when I started to create something it was like I my own creation was limited by borders of the genre and I didn't like that so that's one thing I also had some personal problems with our old 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 guitarist and uh we just couldn't be, we just couldn't continue. So when we split up in 2014, it was decided that we will stop to do this band. It was a, it was a breakup. It wasn't, uh, I really thought that this is the end. And okay. uh, like a half year long, I really felt like, uh, I really felt bad because I had to, I had to redefine myself. I had to find new goals in life. And especially at that part, I lived in Berlin. So I was without friends and stuff. So it was really hard. Um, But then we got an invitation from Inca Niner Festival, uh, which is based in the U.S. And I always wanted to play in the USA. And because they didn't know that we split up. (laughs) 
<laughs> so uh, at that time, our drummer wrote me like, look, we have to do this. I know that, that we can't continue how it is, but we have to do this because this was always a big dream of us. And now, now we could reach it. We just have to, we just have to find out a way. So after like, we talked a lot about it, how to do it, what was good, what was not good. So we decided to find uh, new band members and to start it with a new mindset. And basically the mindset was that we shouldn't limit ourselves by genres. We were sure that we all love like rock music, but we didn't know where it is going to lead us. And um, let me ask you right there for clarification, if you're getting new band members and if you're changing to a new genre, why did you simply just not start another band? Or was it because you were booked as the Hell Freaks for that festival? You said, we're just going to move on as the Hell Freaks and change the formula. No, the thing is that, as I mentioned before, if you do a band, um, the biggest work of the band is not about, the, unfortunately, nowadays, it's not about the music. It's about the management. It's about uh, the social media pages. It's about the videos. It's about everything that you see that is making it possible to promote your music. And from day one, I was the one who was dealing with that. I had, it was my baby. I figured out the band name. I figured out always in which direction we should go. I lead the gang always. So I just didn't felt it fair that just because, just because one direction didn't move, I should give up my baby because this was, and this is my baby. Nice. Okay. So um, I didn't felt like it would be right to give it up. Just because, just because I felt once on the floor, you know, it was much more like, okay, now get up, took your, take your crown back and let's go. <laughs> so how the fans reacted, uh, I was very, very afraid of the first tour, very afraid when we started to, to do the first tour with our new album, Astoria and the new, new band members. And uh, the reaction was so much better than I ever expected. Just a very, very, very few people said that they are like missing the double bass and missing, missing um, the old vibe. But actually, these were the kind of people who I'm not getting along with because they, they are exactly the people who don't want to see improvement, who want to stay and stuck in history of rockabilly and who don't want to look forward, who want to look backward. And I'm just not like that. So for me, it was actually perfect that now we were are able and were able to build up a fan base who are so open-minded who are open for new things who are always like asking what to, how the new music will sound and um, for me it was a necessary change and the fans reacted much much better than i could expect it because most of them really said like wow now you really arrived where you should be it fits much better to your voice. It fits much better to your attitude. And exactly that was how I felt about it. So for me, it was much more like, okay, now I am where I should be. That is amazing. Well, I'm glad that worked out. I'm not sure if um, how it would work out here in America, because I don't know the contrast between the rockabilly scene here and in Hungary. But I'm glad. I know I've seen bands here. We just had um, Kurt from DRI, Dirty Rotten Imbeciles, on. And he was talking about how much violence there was when he hit DRI kind of switched from really hardcore punk to thrash metal. And those two groups got together and they started fighting a lot at the shows. So I'm glad to see that it worked out for you. And I know no, sometimes it could go the other way. For us, what happened was really that in the past we had 
a rockabilly and a psychobilly crowd at our shows. Nowadays, we have guys who love punk, who love rock music, who love metal music, who love hardcore, and we even have psychobillies at our bands, but uh, at our shows. But those psychobillies who were open for improvement. So I love that our crowd is so mixed. You can find pretty much everything. <laughs> Nice. So do you get to play a lot of um, songs from the first two albums? And how do you navigate that not having the same instruments? Um, I'm surrounded with awesome musicians. <laughs> they are really like, even the bass player, the guitarist, the drummer, they are all three. They are one of the best in their, what they are doing here in Hungary in the rock scene. They are awesome. So they, they know that all songs were different. But they found a way that to keep it, to keep somehow the old vibe, but also to spice it up with our modern touch. And uh, so we're, yeah, we're still playing songs from the first and the second album. Um, I would say like half of our shows are still from the older songs. And, and the second half is with our shows, uh, our songs. <laughs> and do you enjoy singing those first two albums worth of songs? Do you enjoy that better now that the band has kind of changed the vibe of those songs than you did when you were originally singing them, you know, eight, ten years ago? Oh, you know, that's. But I think every artist will answer the same. You or I always enjoy to sing the songs the most, which are the newer ones, because... They are always like more challenging and I always discover new things in them. So, but this, and this was always the case for me that I always loved, enjoyed to play the newer songs more than the older songs. Um, but the older songs that you're playing now that they've been changed up a little bit, do you enjoy playing those older songs now would, that they've been changed up more than you did originally? I mean, look, it's not, I can't compare them because it's, it's different. You know, when, when, the older songs were the newer songs. Of course, I enjoy to play them more than now as they are the older songs. Does this make any sense? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just trying to get to the crux of how much of that change has been like a complete positive for you. And it, and if there's any reminiscence of, you know, I kind of miss when we did these songs this way as opposed to now. No, I'm I'm so really like in every aspect. I'm so happy where the band is right now i'm so happy about the people who are now in the band and about the way how we're playing the songs and i think that if i would have to do the songs right now at this moment the way how we did in the past i wouldn't feel comfortable with that anymore but in the past of course i felt comfortable with that Right on. All right. Well, look, I want to talk about God on the Run, your new album. And I know people always say this to bands when they have a new album out. This is your best work yet. But this really is your best work yet. These songs are so tight. They're so easy to groove to. Um, We're going to play one of your songs here in a moment. But talk a little bit about this new album. And I mean, you said you spent two years on it and it shows. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, when we released Astoria, which was in 2016. Right. Uh, we decided that the next album has to be a one where we work on it as long we don't feel that it's good enough. Because you know, when we wrote a story, it has to it has to go a bit quicker than we really wanted to, because we had to show the people that the hell freaks are back that this is the new wave hell freaks, and you know, there was a kind of pressure that we have to react quick. Um, but when we released that album, we decided, okay, for the next one, we will take the time 
till we we're almost 100% satisfied. And, and the time was two years. <laughs> we worked on it a lot. We also wrote a lot of songs that didn't make it to that album. Um, we also recorded fully th- songs and just decided at the very end that it's not good enough. So it was a very, very hard work, especially that our bass player was doing almost all the instrumental parts. So me and the bass player both work a lot, a lot on this album till we said that now it's done. And also in other aspect that uh, before that, we were not a, we just didn't have the financial background to work with with the people we really wanted to. And this was the first album where we were able to work with a producer, especially with a producer who we really were happy about it. We could send them to master the song also to someone to the USA. So it was a lot of work, but also um, we put everything what we had into that album because we wanted to to show the people what we are able to do. Um, and I think it worked out well. <laughs> no, like I said, this is absolutely your best work so far, at least in my opinion. Let me ask you this, and then we're going to play a song off the album. Are you a person who just looks at albums like in a vacuum where it's like, I'm just looking at this album, I'm not comparing it to anything I've done, and I'm not trying to top anything I've done? Or is it always about pushing it to the next level with every album creatively well, for you? I'm, I'm always competing with myself. Um, I, it, it, the decision was that it has to be better than whatever we did before. And the thing is that we are all the same in that case. I mean, the, all of the band members. So now we started to work on new songs and it's really hard. <laughs> right. I can imagine trying to top this, how hard yeah. it would be. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, I think we found a way, but that is, that is again, a bit different. And again, a next step. Um but you know you can only do that if you if you are working on yourself on and on. I mean, I am going to a vocal teacher week by week, and uh, that's exactly the same like like you would go to training. With the time, you just get better if you if you work on it on all the time. So. And by the way, my hats off to you for constantly training your voice. I know a lot of people who get to your level of success, and they're like, "I'm here. I'm done." I, I don't have to train anymore. I don't have to do vocal exercises. And for you to actually put your nose to the grindstone and still going to vocal lessons and a vocal coach, I think that says a lot about your integrity and your dedication to this band. You know, I'm, I'm never satisfied with myself. I always think that it has to get better. It has to get better. It has to get better. And of course, I can hear the difference, especially if you compare my vocals to the first album or to the right. second. Third, doesn't matter to which. I also hear the improvement, but I still think that okay, this this can get better. There are still things that I want to learn. There are techniques that I'm like actually suffering now for two or three years to learn them and I still can't do them but I still want to do them so for me it's it's um I don't know it's important if, if I'm not getting better why should I do this <laughs> I think that's a great attitude to have okay we're gonna play my favorite song off the new album God on the Run and this may be surprising to you maybe it's not my favorite song is Hello Sea is there anything you want to tell us about this song before we play it um well it's a surprising fact that actually if you listen to it you might think that it's it's a kind of love song but (laughs) my main inspiration was uh, my cat 
(laughs) That makes it even like it even makes it more riveting to me. All right, we're going to play some Hello C and then we're going to come back and wrap this up with Shaky Sue. back with shaky sue from the hell freaks um i want to ask you one more thing and then we're going to kind of start wrapping this up you guys have some incredible videos and they're really a lot of them are really visually stunning for you as an artist how important is the visual aspect of the hell freak song compared to the lyrical the live performance everything else is it a complete package Uh, like how much focus do you put on the visual aspect how important is that compared to the lyrical aspect of the songs or the musical aspect Okay, so for me, especially as I'm writing the lyrics, <laughs> for me, all of them are very important. Of course, what is what is a bit closer to me are the lyrics, because 
the lyrics are always like literally pieces of my soul's soul and I'm really getting naked when I'm writing these lyrics and I'm very very honest in them and I'm writing down things that time to time I'm not even talk about with my friends so they are like they are very honest from my side about the visual aspect I think it is super important when it's about music videos but to be honest I would be a bit happier if I wouldn't live in the times like we live right now because I see it as a kind of problem that doesn't matter how great your music is, if you're not able to support it with a music video, no one will recognize it. It's it's just how it is because that's how the world of music works right now. Everyone is watching YouTube and it's so important. And um, but not- also, let me let me interject real quickly. Also, having music videos takes away a little bit of the mystery of the band. When I was young in the 80s, 100 years ago, I didn't even know what half my the bands I listened to even looked like unless they were in a magazine. And I know Alice Cooper in an interview once said having such access to Alice Cooper kind of killed the mystique. He's not scary anymore because you could see him golfing on YouTube. And I think that's another aspect, too. It really takes away some of the mystery of the band. I mean, yeah, maybe it takes out the mystery, but on the other side, I mean, of course, I'm also a fan of some bands, and I love that I can get closer to them thanks to YouTube. That's pretty cool. But as I said, as a band, it's just, it is a very, you know, it is very hard that you don't have only to focus on the recording itself for your music, but you have to focus exactly the same way on uh, music videos. And for example... I know I know stuff about music and I know stuff about writing lyrics and I know how to make a good live show. But honestly, I have no idea how to do a good music videos. It means that, of course, I have ideas and I, I always bring them back. And often it's, it's the videos are based on my ideas, but I'm not able to record it. I'm, I can't edit a music video. So uh, it's 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 so much about how lucky you are to find the right, te- right team for that. Um, if they are on the same vibe like you, it is. And this is something that even doesn't matter how awesome a band is. If they are unlucky, they will not find the crew or they will not be able to pay that crew. So mm, that part is, I mean, I'm not, I, I mean, actually I'm enjoying to do music videos, but on the other side, it would be so cool if I could just take that money and push into more recording for music, for example. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I never really thought about it that way, is those music videos give these bands a type of access and a leg up on bands that otherwise couldn't do it or couldn't afford to do it. And it does kind of um, make this um, playing field, I would say, a little less level. I never kind of thought about it in those terms. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's incredible. All right, we're going to finish up here. Since this is a Halloween episode, I want to ask you a couple Halloween questions. Are you ready? Um, um, Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) All right. Um, what does Halloween usually look like at Shaky Sue's house? Are you a big Halloween par- person? Do you have Halloween parties every year? What does it look like? Are you decorating and going crazy with your costumes? What does it look like for Shaky Sue on Halloween? Okay, here's the thing. Here in Hungary, or almost in Europe, we don't celebrate Halloween. That's a totally U.S. thing. <laughs> wow. We don't have Halloween. The only thing that we have that... Um, of course, thanks to the internet and, and, and thanks to all that, the world is getting more and more open and accessible for everyone. So, of course, 
in shops and stuff like that, you have access to all those Halloween decorations and stuff like that. But for example, um, I only saw it in movies how you celebrate as kids Halloween. That they, I, I mean, I don't know if you're really do, still doing that, but for example, that kids can go out on the street and that they are knocking for sweets on the door. That's yeah, they still do that in some me. places. That's so awesome, but we, we don't have that. We have, um, so we have something like that in February, which is called Forschung. Uh, it is a bit like the German carnival. So you're, as a kid, you're wearing costumes, but you just have like a kind of celebrity at, at a, in your school or in the kindergarten or stuff like that. Later on, you don't really have that. So, I mean... See, I just assumed the whole world celebrated on some level, even though it was a U.S. thing, that people still got dressed up and had parties and stuff for Halloween adults. Look, look, clubs always try to look for good opportunities to make them. So you have you have some, also in Hungary, you have some, some clubs and shows who are saying, okay, now this is the Halloween show or stuff like that. But it's, it doesn't have the tradition like you have in the U.S., but I always, I, I always wanted to have it because it's, it seems to be so much fun. <laughs> Are you usually playing shows on Halloween? And if you do, is it like at a club that's doing a Halloween themed thing? Oh, we all, yeah. Like I, I think almost every year we had Halloween shows, mainly in Germany. But it was just, I mean, it, it just meant that we said that it's a Halloween show. So time to time, people came up dressed up, but nothing special. <laughs> And one more spooky fact, and I hope I got this right because I read it on the internet. You live across the street from the biggest cemetery in Budapest, correct? Oh, uh aha. It was like that. (laughs) Um, When I I lived at my parents' place, so when I went to university, I still lived at my parents' place, which is a totally normal thing here in Hungary because as long as you're a student, you don't have any money. so (laughs) So it's impossible to move away from your parents but I also had a really great connection to my parents and um, the house where we lived was really close to a huge cemetery here in Budapest but it's a beautiful one um, now uh, I moved away in my own flat and I have across the street there is a park which is called Bloodfield and um, it's it's yeah, it is a kind of historical place because it's quite close to the Hungarian castle. And when it was bombed down at the First and Second World War, they bring all the ruins down to that place uh, where the blood field is. And they, uh, how you say that? So they... Uh, they reconstructed it? No, not, not re- they put it under the earth. How do you, I don't know how you Buried say Buried it? Yeah. And oh. also a lot of... And, and even before that, a lot of uh, historical, it's it's called Bloodfield because a lot of historical leaders, um, their head were chopped off here. <laughs> oh, man. So do you yeah. go over there to write to kind of get that vibe? Yeah, but it, it actually today it's just a simple park with a lot of dogs and a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a park, but it's called Bloodfield. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end. Hey, I want to thank you so much, Shaky Sue, for calling in all the way from Hungary. This has been a real treat for us. Thank you so much for having me. And before you go, please tell everybody where we can find you on the interwebs. Okay. It's very magical. So (laughs) 
You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. And please, please, please do follow us and give us a like. I know you might be bored because every band says the same. But in times like these, your feedback is the only thing that keeps us alive. And it means more than ever. So if you have the capacity for that, we would be super, super, super grateful. That is your Halloween wish to have people go like on, on the social media, comment and give you feedback. Exactly. All right. You can't deny someone their Halloween wish or bad things will happen. So you guys better hop over there and show some love to Shaky Sue and the Hell Freaks. Great. Great idea. <laughs> All righty. Thanks, Sue. You have a great rest of the year and keep your head up. Thank you so much. Wish you all the best, guys. All righty. All righty, guys, we are out of here. This was our Halloween bonus episode. Um, just an editorial note, we won't be doing much between Thanksgiving and the end of the year because it's the holidays. So we've got maybe two more episodes coming up this year. But keep checking us out at www.musicalosmosis. I can't even talk now. .musicalosmosis.com for band reviews. Sometimes we stick our videos up there and such. So we'll still be there here and there until the end of the year. But I think this was a great way to end our traditional bi-weekly podcast for the year. Bye, everybody. Bye, says D.